0: and welcome to Montgomery Talks, where the podcast of Montgomery County Issues and we're coming to you from the Montgomery Community Media's podcast studios in Rockville. I'm Doug Tallman, senior reporter at MCM, and with me today is Councilmember Gabe Albernaz. And today we'll be discussing uh, about his first few months on the council, as well as some issues surrounding the county. Welcome, Mr. Alvernoz.
1: Thanks, Doug. It's a pleasure to be here. Call me Gabe.
0: <laughs> Pardon me. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Yes, please. Um, but I'd like to ask you uh, about your background before becoming a councilman. But the news has an item uh, today that I think we ought to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So as we speak, it appears there's a deal to avert a government shutdown. Uh, lawmakers are hoping President Trump signs the legislation. That has to be welcome news in Montgomery County.
1: Oh, yes. We held a Health and Human Service Committee session three weeks ago during the heart of the shutdown. And we just learned about the unbelievable challenges, not just facing our federal workers, which were profound in the fact that tens of thousands of county residents are one or two paychecks away from really being in financial crisis, but also the tens of thousands of people that receive federal services in the county and the agencies tasked with providing those services and writing those checks uh, had not been writing them. And so a lot of services were going by the wayside and we heard from numerous nonprofit organizations that they themselves were just one or two months away from being in true crisis as well. So it is welcome news. Um, I'm I'm happy to hear that we're moving in a positive direction because we could not have sustained uh, another shutdown. Of course, we won't know until, I guess, Friday afternoon whether Mm -hmm. there will be another shutdown. Right. But uh, so far, so good. So far, so good. So let's, let's hope cooler heads prevail and that we continue in the right direction because it would really just be awful if we had to go and take yet another step back and go through another shutdown. Have you done any follow-up with those agencies to find out what's happened since your meeting? We have. So there are Mana Foods in particular. I mean, one of the great byproducts of what did occur was, as is often the case in our community, because we have such an outstanding community, many people stepped forward to assist and help. And so there were a lot of residents exposed to nonprofits and also had their eyes open to some of the needs we have right here in our own backyard. And so organizations did see a spike in their giving. And 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 the hope is, is that the people that invested in this really important and great work will continue to invest and continue to partner and align and volunteer for our local nonprofit organizations. Okay.
0: So let's step back and find out more about you. Uh, So you rose to the ranks of the county uh, rec department to become its director. Mm -hmm. Um, You live in Kensington now, but you lived around the county.
1: Correct. Yes. I grew up uh, living in Gaithersburg, Silver Spring, but spent most of my youth in Bethesda. Okay. You're elected in November one of only a
0: handful of candidates to earn Ike Leggett's endorsement. Yes, that's right. You attended Montgomery County schools? I did. I graduated from Whitman
1: in 1994. Okay. And you have degrees from the University of Maryland and Johns Hopkins. Correct. Yep. Got my undergraduate from Maryland and my MBA from Johns Hopkins. Okay. Well, since you're turf, Terp, I have one question for you. Absolutely. How deep is your hatred for Duke University? Oh, it's deep. It's deep. And I, I'll be honest, I still haven't fully gotten adjusted to the Big Ten. I, I miss the old rivalries. And when we played UVA uh, earlier this year, my wife went to UVA. And so we've had a healthy rivalry in our house for, for a number of years. But I miss, I miss those games. And while I appreciate being in the Big Ten, it just doesn't feel quite. Quite the same. Did you ever light a sofa on fire? on? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I was in a fraternity, but fortunately, I did not participate in anything quite like that. Okay, all right. So how has growing up in Montgomery County shaped um, you as a community leader? You know, that's a good question, Doug. I think... It wasn't until I got to college and when I did a study abroad program in Mexico City, working with homeless and runaway youth, that I really fully appreciated all the incredible resources and the world class education that I received here. Didn't fully appreciate the bubble that I lived in. And it wasn't until I left this area that I saw what true injustice is and the effects of, of extreme poverty have on, on communities. And growing up here was such a special place. Um, all my best friends today are my friends from. From high school i rode my bike everywhere and would grew up to a large extent in glen echo uh, and so would head down to the cno canal and it was a really fantastic life growing up and in my elementary school we had a lot of international students and so i had friends from venezuela Zaire, Ghana, uh, ecuador uh, you name it uh, from around the world poland and so it exposed me to the world around us in a variety of ways and it was just it was just a great place to grow up and I'm, I'm so happy to be raising my family here now uh, we have four kids under 10 10 eight five and two and uh, we've got our hands full for sure thank God for coffee but we're having a lot of fun and we live three doors away from my mother and father-in-law and my folks still live in the house I grew up in just a couple miles from us so we've I've had a lot of blessings in my life and a lot of them stem from having grown up in this great community and you're the son of immigrant parents correct yep yeah, my dad is from Ecuador and my mom is from Chile and they both attended Montgomery College and actually ended up graduating from Montgomery County Public Schools my dad from Springbrook and my mom from Northwood so how did that affect um, your growing up being this first generation American or So it it was very important. My parents uh, were quite progressive for their time in that they spoke exclusively to me in Spanish as I was growing up. And we lived in a multi-generational house, and my grandparents lived with us. They were from Chile. And so I actually spoke Spanish before I spoke English. And it wasn't until River Road Daycare Unitarian Church where I I started picking up English and then obviously through kindergarten. And uh, that was very important to me. And And it also helped me appreciate the challenges that my families overcame in coming to the United States. They came for very different reasons. My dad's dad was a diplomat. He was the minister of education for the Organization of American States. And my mom's dad came with the classic American story of of very little in the way of savings, but lived here for a couple of years, saved up money, started a business, and and then brought my mom and my grandmother over. So I've been exposed to that, uh, and that lens has been important and very formidable in my life. I would assume that the
0: county recreation department prepared you for just county government in general.
1: It did. You know, so I worked for the nonprofit sector prior to working at recreation, and I was the deputy director of the Latin American News Center and had just opened up their offices in Maryland. and I was uh, helping to manage a staff of about 18 uh, 18 people, budget of about two million, and then I went from that to managing a staff of almost 3,000 with an operating budget of almost 30 million. But the hardest transition, Doug, was not going from managing a small organization to a large organization. It was learning government. It was learning bureaucracy. It was learning how to be effective and be able to accomplish your objectives in a way that was sustainable. And during some very challenging fiscal times in the county. We got thrown right into the deep end. I had a almost 24% operating budget cut within my first year of assuming the directorship, and that taught me a lot. It, it toughened me up, frankly, but also made me well aware of just how important our services are to our county residents. Okay. And as a first-year council member, it's unusual that you're a, a committee chair. Yes, yes, I, I'm uh, uh, so fortunate to have the support of my colleagues on the council and an and honor to be chairing the Health and Human Services Committee.
0: Okay. HHS has, I, I, it seems to be where the where the rubber hits the road in terms of the diversity of this county. Uh, wow. So many services for mm-hmm. um, our diverse population come through your committee or yes. it has to be weighed by your committee. Can you talk about that?
1: Well, I'm so happy you framed it that way, because you're. At Absolutely right. So the county is a microcosm of the rest of the country. We are urban, suburban, and rural. We have extreme wealth, and we have extreme poverty. And just like the rest of the country, our middle class is is shrinking, unfortunately, and struggling. Uh, and as we saw through the shutdown, it was alarming to see how many thousands of people are just one or two paychecks away from being in real financial crisis. So and the other interesting aspects of the county is our fastest growing demographic is our older adult population. Currently, 9% of our population is over the age of 65. That will balloon to over 20% over the next 16 years. And our Department of Health and Human Services provides critical services to our vulnerable populations across the board. And as we see the growing need in our community, in our county, it's, it's a committee and, and a department that is going to play an even more important role moving forward to strengthen our social safety net. But the other role that I think our Department of Health and Human Services and our subcommittee plays as well is connecting dots. So we have a fairly strong infrastructure of healthcare in our county, especially relative to the rest of the country. We have a strong private sector, a strong nonprofit sector, and a strong public sector. But they don't often talk to each other in a way that is, is, they don't talk enough. Uh, And so there needs to be a better job connecting those sectors because we are seeing growing need across the board. And so it is a dream come true to be able to be uh, serving on this committee. And and the best part of the job so far, Doug, has been recognizing that so many of the issues that are facing our county as a whole are connected. Uh, Economic development, housing, transportation, and that leads to health issues. And and so we're going to be focusing a lot on preventive health in our committee over the next four years. But it is uh, exciting work, and I am thrilled to be doing it. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you.
0: On another front, in terms of the county, there were you recently decided on the spending affordability number. You, Sidney Katz, and um, Nancy Navarro, Nancy Navarro, mm-hmm. formed a minority mm-hmm. in saying that you ought to rein in a little spending here. Mm-hmm. Is this a voting block that's kind of a, uh, connected, or was it? It's not just happenstance that the three of you sure. are voting this way,
1: right? Well, I think that particular vote was um, was a little organic, frankly. It, it sort of evolved after the committee session. I think Councilmember Friedson raised some important and good points uh, regarding his concerns and and how those numbers were derived. And I think where I came from and in the context that I provided in, in deciding in the way I voted on that specific issue was having lived through the county's fiscal crisis. And you know, they're, they're the county because in large part of the economic downturn, but also in part because we just had had grown so fast, so quickly, in a way that wasn't really sustainable. And I remember opening a recreation center or having one completed through its construction, but then not being able to open it for almost an entire year because we didn't have the operating budget dollars to be able Mm -hmm. to open it. And I also know the CIP as a whole is is very challenged because it is now the debt service the county is paying. If it were a county agency, it would be the third largest county agency. And so that's not sustainable. And understandably, there's a lot of needs and interests, particularly in our education space. And I just was concerned that if we projected numbers that, that were too rosy, that we would make commitments that we wouldn't be able to honor. And I had gone through that and lived through the experience of what it feels like to then have to explain to a community, yes, this building is, has been constructed, but we can't open it for a year, folks. So so that was uh, where I came down. And the other aspect for me was this can be revisited in two years. And in that particular discussion, there was little disagreement over the operating budget and the projections over the next two years. It was the out years where there was some difference of opinion. And so we can revisit this in two years and can adjust up. But I prefer to adjust up as opposed to adjusting down. Hmm. Okay. Do you see the three of you uh, joining together on other policy issues? I'm not sure. I think that all of us are, all nine of us, are really getting to know each other. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for all eight of my colleagues. I obviously knew the incumbent members both as friends and through various circles, but in my role as the director of the recreation department and had known uh, Andrew and Will and Evan prior to us running, but really got to know them well through the campaign. And so I think that there are there's great alignments on a number of issues and a recognition that we have to focus on things like economic development if we're going to get out of the rut that we're in right now. And I think there's a, a general understanding. So more often than not, my colleagues and I will probably agree on issues and on different issues. There may be blocks that form, but but they're not so obvious to me right now. Okay. Well, I think now's a good time to take a break. We've been talking with Gabe Albernaz, first-year county council member.
0: I'm Doug Tolman, senior reporter at Montgomery Community Media, and this is Montgomery Talks. We'll be right back.
1: Your community media center is making Montgomery County a great place to live through programs like 21 This Week. Montgomery County's hardest hitting political talk show keeps you up to date with the local political scene. Montgomery Community Media. Our middle name is community.
0: And we're back. This is Montgomery Talks. I'm Doug Tallman, senior reporter at MCM, and we're speaking with Gabe Albernaz, county council member. I want to step back a little bit on something you just said just before the break about the alignment mm-hmm. um, of the council members. You do have fiscal issues coming down the pike. Almost, I forget what the statistic is, but they say something like we've been like 120 months without a recession. Mm-hmm. The longest we've gone without a recession is like 122 months or right. something. So there's, you can almost see it on the you know, on the horizon. And yet there are any number of issues that are going to be expensive that right. council members want. Universal pre-K. Mm. Tom Hucker's student loan debt ideas, even just uh, examining more uh, water fountains in the schools is going to cost money.
1: Yep. So look into your crystal ball and what's going to happen. Yeah, well, my crystal ball is broken. It's in the shop. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think I, we have real challenges on the horizon. And I think we have to acknowledge that we're going to go through some bumpy times over the next few years. The shutdown exasperated that and disproportionately impacted our region. The tax breaks are, are I think, in the tax structure where I think over the long run we'll see is, is going to have a negative impact on local jurisdictions. And I I am positive about our relationships with the state. I think we have a new legislature and a governor that recognizes that uh, they're going to have to be true partners in order for us to be able to address a number of the needs that we have within local jurisdictions. I've been very uh, happy with the rhetoric regarding more capital infrastructure investment in our schools that would be carried out by the state. So, but there is no silver bullet in addressing what will inevitably the next recession before us. But we have to look at the long view and we have to focus on economic development and not just economic development where it's so highly concentrated right now in the western part of the county and particularly within Bethesda, but we need to look at more investment and more alignment on the eastern part of the county and the northern part of the county where we do have have more capacity to grow in a smart way that takes advantage of public transit, but that recognizes it is very difficult for us to tax our residents any more than they've already been taxed. We, I certainly heard that loud and clear through the campaign process and know it to be true within the community I live in. So we're going to have to build a broad coalition of support within our our public and private sector, working collaboratively to fully address economic development. I think on a macro level, our council certainly understands that, and the county executive does as well. But we have to work collaboratively on policies, but also, frankly, just on rhetoric in trying to break through this impression that Montgomery County is a bad place to do business. I don't believe it is. And and I think that there are numerous instances of businesses that are thriving here, that are successful. And there are stories that aren't being told enough. And I think as a council, that needs to be a focus moving forward. So, and I will say on a personal level, we have a great deal of respect for each other. So as times will get more difficult, I think this council in particular is well positioned to work collaboratively to address some of these complex issues. We're not going to agree on everything, nor should we. But I think there's a degree of respect that will be helpful as we deliberate over some of these tough issues.
0: The news last week, or maybe 10 days ago, was that Amazon is thinking twice about moving to New York. Has anybody contacted Jeff Bezos and said, you know, White Flint's
1: still here? Not to my knowledge. I had a, a similar thought as I was reading that article. But I'll be candid. I'm not sure that how real their backing out of New York really in fact is. And it sounded from reading other articles like the policymakers in New York recognized the need for alignment and that there were going to be conversations there. But but it, br- it brings up a good example uh, we, I thought, did a great job as a community coming together to pitch Amazon. And the fact that we ended up in the top 20 is is no insignificant thing. And the reason we made that final list was because of all the tremendous assets that we have here in Montgomery County, a highly educated workforce, a very strong school system, a strong network of public transit. So I think we need to better leverage those assets moving forward, but also not just focus on big prizes like Amazon, which are important, but also recognize that over 85% of our businesses in Montgomery County have fewer than 15 employees. And if we help grow those businesses and, and help them identify capital and help them to uh, hire more people and expand their business models, look at emerging industries and doubling down on those emerging industries, I think there's plenty of opportunity for us beyond just those big prizes like Amazon for us to be able to grow our economy, but by investing in our small local businesses. Okay, but what happens to White Flint,
0: for example? Mm-hmm. I mean, a business with 15 employees is not going to take over, right. you know, the 50 acres that are sitting there in, in, outside of Kensington, correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: No, that's a, that's a very valid point. And there's no question that there's going to have to be a mix in looking for some of the larger businesses that are out there. So I've been pretty excited about what we're doing with cybersecurity as a community. I think we're leading the way uh, nationally and in some ways internationally. And so our biotechnology space is another emerging market. The fact that we have such a diverse workforce and that so, such a high percentage of our county residents spend speak more than just one one language is an asset in a global market. And so I think that will help us attract more businesses. But on that particular parcel, clearly we're going to need and want to work with the learners and the property owners to identify other potential partners that are out there, Our, our now two-year-old department, or not department, but Economic Development Corporation will be an important asset. And I know that David Petter is focusing very much on opportunities like that particular parcel of land to see what we can do as a county to attract other businesses here. Okay.
0: What talk do you hear about the ComSat site up in north of Clarksburg?
1: I haven't heard anything recently. I know that at one point during my tenure as the recreation director, we were looking at it as a possible location for a recreation center and aquatic facility uh, as a public amenity on, on that particular parcel. But that was a number of years ago. But I haven't heard anything recently on that particular project.
0: Okay, It seems like... You've got White Flint to the south. You've got Comsat to the north. Absolutely, and, and the, the Burtonsville Shopping Center to the east. It seems like we Montgomery County is it, yeah. assets. Or you can well, you can look at it as assets, or are they white elephants mm-hmm. that it'll never, never be amount, never be what they should be? Right.
1: Well, I, I, I think I absolutely believe their assets. And I think part of the, you know, we have to recognize too, the economic downturn was very real and raw. And and we're still in, although we've had significant growth over the last few years, I think now you're starting to see more interest in that level of investment. And I also think that being a global economy, there's an opportunity for us to think from an international perspective on looking at businesses internationally that may be interested in working here in Montgomery County. And
0: so I know that there have been efforts
1: in that space as well okay
0: Let's talk a little bit about immigration. First, talk about, you recently came back from McAllen, Texas. Talk about that.
1: I did. I was down in McAllen last month, uh, which is one of the border cities. And a good friend of mine is the president and CEO of the Hispanic Heritage Foundation. And he had been telling me about the incredible work of Sister Norma, who is down in in, in, in McAllen and had set up a respite center. Because what's happening now, Doug, is is we're seeing this, this most recent wave are families seeking asylum. And going through the proper channels to seek that asylum, they're not crossing the border illegally. They are coming through the border cities and in some cases having to wait months for their cases to be heard by our courts here. And in many instances have enough information to continue with the process to be able to seek full asylum. But the backlog is in some cases years long for those asylum cases to be heard. And so many of these families are being given a temporary status to be able to stay in the country until their asylum case is heard. And the reason there has been such a spike in many of the Central American countries that is leading to this most recent wave, it's interesting. There's a couple of factors. One, just the economic catastrophe uh, that these countries are under and very little in the way of economic development or any sort of hope to seek a meaningful or any kind of gainful employment. But the other interesting thing as we learned, as I learned, was there has... have been a record number of deportations over the last eight years. And the gangs that had been formed in the United States and many of those members that had been deported headed back to those countries and augmented the very organized criminal activity. And so you are seeing unbelievable spikes in violence and it disproportionately impacting some parts within these countries. But another thing I heard while I was down there that was fascinating, Doug, in talking to some of the families was the feedback I got from some of them was they felt like if they didn't go now, they would never be able to go because the feeling is is that Trump is going to just shut the border down completely and that this was maybe one of their last opportunities. And that was also a reason why so many families were coming. But I saw a system that is overwhelmed. I saw a court system that is overwhelmed. I saw incredible volunteers doing their best to assist these families. And the respite center that we happened to go to was processing almost 500 people per day. And they estimated that almost 20% over the last year and a half are coming to our region because there's such a strong infrastructure here. And so it was a very eye-opening experience. It, it left me feeling overwhelmed and somewhat frustrated with our government and our overall system, but in a way, hope too, because in talking to the families and hearing more of their personal stories, what they've been able to overcome is remarkable. And I got a lot of inspiration from hearing some of those stories. Okay. Okay.
0: Montgomery County has its own immigration policy in terms of how the police will interact with immigrants. Do you see the that was under the old council and Mm -hmm. the old county executive? I I haven't heard anything
1: about there being any changes, but are there any changes in the works on that front? No changes, just that we recognize we need to continue to be a, a welcoming community in a variety of different ways. Not only do I believe is that socially the right thing to do, but we have record unemployment in the county. And so many of the immigrants that are coming over are working and they are helping advance our economy in a variety of ways. And so I believe the families that are coming over give a lot more than they take. And, and I'm, I feel fortunate that they've chosen our community as their home. And I think it's our responsibility to continue the long tradition of Montgomery County of being a welp- welcoming community. And it's in all of our best interests, both economically and socially, to ensure we have a cohesive community.
0: Which leads us to talk about public safety. You're a member of the Public Safety Committee, Mm -hmm. and I guess the biggest thing you guys are gonna have in the next few months is gonna be replacing Tom Manger. Yes, which will be difficult to do. Uh, What kind of person do you think should
1: be in that role? So Tom, I thought, did a a really fantastic job of community engagement. I know that Tom understood the importance of prevention, as an example, within the strategy of addressing some of our gang violence and youth delinquency. And Tom would always say he felt the county as a whole should be investing more in the kinds of programs that recreation was doing than, than on law enforcement over the long run. I'm hoping that we continue a collaborative approach through community partnerships. I'm hoping that we continue the best practice of transparency and ensuring that our com- our community can feel comfortable and confident that we've got a police force that's well-trained, that's culturally diverse, that reflects the diversity of the communities we're serving, and that understands those communities in a very authentic way. So a leader that is open to partnerships and, and continues the efforts to move forward with transparency, I think will be very important.
0: Well, uh, the new chief's going to inherit a force that well, had the unfortunate circumstance of the Robert White killing Mm -hmm. um, in June. What kinds of changes do you think need to be made to the force with this new chief in, in regards to that the police-involved shootings?
1: So a couple of areas. One, I do think that although we have a strong foundation and institution within community-based organizations and formal connections, I think we need to expand that. I think that we need to cast a wider net in ensuring all of our communities feel like they are part of the process and that they are heard. And so creating more time and space for there to be positive interactions and interactions period with our law enforcement, both from the rank and file, the folks that are on the street, all the way up through leadership. I think that that will be very important to to forge those alliances. And I also think that we need to make sure our police department has the resources they need and the training and capacity that they need to meet the growing needs and demand of our community. The fact that our police force has not grown significantly over the last five years, we have effectively the same number of officers. We don't have enough officers to pace the level of demographic, just sheer numbers changes we have in the county. We, we're we're going to surpass 1.2 million people in this next census. And I think we need to have a law enforcement in place that reflects the needs of our community and projects those numbers. So I think those are areas that, that we're going to be focusing on, but it will be a tall task, uh, to say the least. We're fortunate in the county to not have some of the same mistrust that is there in other communities across the country, but we have to do everything possible to stay ahead of the curve and maintain and enhance the trust that we have in our law enforcement.
0: Will DeWondo has a bill in that will be voted on at some point, um, mm-hmm. the, the Law Enforcement Transparency and Trust Act, which would change the way incidents like Robert White shooting would be investigated. Mm-hmm. Uh, last I heard, just about everybody on the council has co-sponsored it, so I assume it's going to pass. By making these changes, though, it kind of, it seems to run counter to the, the, to the narrative that mm-hmm there is trust in this police agent, right? Well,
1: yes and no. So the the way I look at it is I thought the county established a best practice with our state's attorney's office in that they now partner with Howard County to conduct their investigation to ensure full transparency. And by all the accounts I've heard, that has been a successful process and I think a reasonable model that other jurisdictions can follow as well, because it's in law enforcement best interest to make sure that our community feels confident and comfortable with whatever investigation takes place. And I think shedding more light and having another degree of separation is a good and positive thing. And what I want to make sure our community understands is, is that we do have a remarkable law enforcement. We have mm-hmm. great police department, in my opinion, among the best in the country. And this is in no way, from my perspective, a message that they're not to be trusted. That's not how I feel about this. I just feel that to stay ahead of the curve and create another opportunity for full transparency is in everyone's best interest.
0: Okay, but the bill would—the best practice that you describe would be put aside for a new practice— of investigating in-house or having the county much more in charge of what that investigation would take place when there is an officer-involved shooting. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be outsourced to uh, Howard County.
1: Right. So the the, the, the part of the bill is is that there would be collaboration with the local jurisdiction to investigate and lead the investigation when there is a police-involved shooting. Unfortunately, there are very few of them in Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. That's the great news, and let's hope it stays that way. So I do think having collaboration with other jurisdictions is important. And as I understand it, we have reached out to Howard County. They are very interested in partnering with us and creating a policy process that's similar to the one that we we want to establish. And this bill is very much in the work stage. I'm meeting with our representatives from the Fraternal Order of Police later this week to talk more about, from their perspective, their concerns about the bill. And as I'm learning as a new council member, uh, we have a robust process in place so that we can ensure from when a bill is drafted to when it's actually enacted, there's ample community input. We can adjust it as necessary. But but I do think that it's important for us as a community to stay the head of the curve and to ensure full transparency in any police investigation.
0: So if you were the police chief, what would you do with the officer involved in the Robert White shooting?
1: That's a good question, Doug. I I don't know enough about that specific case to be able to say specifically what I would
0: do. You saw the body camera footage, though,
1: correct? I saw the body camera footage, but I know there were a number of elements to the investigation that that I haven't seen or don't have access to, so I don't have the full context. So it would be inappropriate for, I think, me to comment on what I would be able to do in that specific case because I don't have all the information. I do think that our police chief moving forward, I think, will want to take that case study in particular and those lessons learned from that case and apply them to, God forbid, another case that that happens moving forward. And I'm sure there are some lessons learned as there are in every incident. And and certainly even within the recreation department, we would learn from, from every situation that we encountered and applied the lessons learned moving forward. And I'm sure the next police chief will do that. Okay. Well, I think that's a good time to wrap things up.
0: Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Montgomery Talk. I'm Doug Tallman, senior reporter at Montgomery Community Media. We've been chatting with council Gabe Alvarez of the Montgomery County Council. Our engineers today have been uh, Carolyn Raskowskis and Mike Valentine. Come back next time. Thank you very much. <music>